when it comes to our couch, you can always sit with us. I'm T. I'm Tatiana. I'm Arkea. And we're three licensed psychotherapists, Philly raised, Philly based, here to give you guys basically another resource for your wellness toolkit from the young, black, urban therapist perspective. So y'all, we're finally here. We're, we're doing this. I know, I'm saying it's y'all. It's been such a long time coming, but <clears throat> we're happy, we're excited. Yeah, we've been planning this for you guys and trying to get all this together for about like two years. Yeah, yeah so like background, like where we met and who we are. Um, yeah, so Temple, Temple Maze. Yeah. Should we make you more? Can we not? Can we not? So off the record, on the record, Ty and I joined a cult, and that is how we know each other. We met at Penn State, so yes. Um, Ty and I met at Penn State and majoring in psych, and ironically enough, Key, you're, we are. So they're trying to exclude me because I didn't go to the huge campus on top of a hill. She still did go but to the school, but just not same campus. Yes. We love our branchy. <laughs> I am still Penn State. Our sessions are a safe space. <laughs> for branch campus people, which also, that'll be a whole nother. No, go ahead, pull back the curtain side. I was going to say, technically, I'm a branch campus person as well. I just transferred to Maine my second, my third year, so. Yeah, and I did do all my years up there, but I think that's even better, right? You got somebody who had the whole branch experience, maybe right. two plus two, and somebody that, the bridge, period. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how we all have came um, to know each other and really like have commonalities to like start busting up as friends first because right away as transparent as we can be, we are friends before business partners, right? Of course. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so of course. <laughs> we don't know each other. <laughs> In my head, like I'm saying, like yeah, we're friends, but my 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 mind is saying because we are sisters, <laughs> we stand together. <laughs> Cause that's really how we are offline and like i really know this podcast is going to be dope but we're really raw offline that's the best part about what we're going to bring to this podcast um, and then obviously temple made is actually where the three of us came together and Marquia, you were saying something about like you know how the university didn't bring us together yeah so we um actually became pretty close the first semester i mean it was not hard right it no, really wasn't i can't even remember how we became what we became okay, can we just like right how do any Black professionals become close, right? <laughs> you see black person. You see like, black people in the room. Come sit. Yeah. You're like, come sit with us. And you know what? I think that's Literally. is what happened. I think I was walking back from class. That's absolutely what happened. <laughs> and we all were just like, let's go grab lunch. Yeah. But also, like, let's be clear, like, vibes they matter and attract to other vibes. Yeah. Like, right. And, but uh, obviously, Marquia, it's like, we're sitting there and it's like, she cute like and she's giving all the same energy as us so of course we're going to gravitate like yeah and we didn't have a lot of classes together either like even we throughout didn't. our meeting this well you and t did but i didn't so i think we had like maybe one class a semester together and we still remained you know pretty tight we literally scouted you for lunch one day we were like we like her let's invite her to sit with oh. us um and the bitch never left so now it's a trio yes <laughs> um, and, and honestly like i think what kept us together is we always said black people are not monolithic, right? And yes, we were three black girls in this program, but there were not a lot of us. And mm-hmm. for the other women that were there, they were not perceived as the way like we were, right? Like one big reason we went into this naming this empathetic black audience was because like that's really where we connected, um, and we weren't always viewed that way, mm-hmm. right? And I think we see that time and time again in school. It's definitely really easy for us as the girls who are loud if that's a word we can use like you're loud oh, yeah. and instantly it's like almost the aggressive and the mean label gets put on us and so we honestly like embrace it like 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 we have we want me to unfriendly black heisen if that's what y'all think we are but i gotta also be true to us like we're empathetic so we started that out as a joke but then now it's like no like let's be us we're the empathetic black hotties created a brand no, seriously, and I don't think it was us just being loud, right? Because loud doesn't indicate unfriendly. I think, to be really clear, we were in grad school during the 2016 election. Mm-hmm. And we had the worst topic to talk about at the best time. And mm-hmm. um, that really filtered how people felt about us. And um, to be clear, there was great people in our program as well. For sure. Yeah, like some, some motherfuckers show their ass, as they will, because that's just anywhere. But there were great people. Um, but 
there were some spaces where women we were speaking from the heart and we were expecting empathy from our experiences, sharing antidotes from our family's experiences. We were just not getting it back. And I think it, it was this impression that like because we're loud and glamorous, I'll tell you right now, we don't look like that. People always ask like what we do, right? Mm -hmm. But we don't we don't make, we're not gonna look like the Sopranos therapist. I don't go to I go to work in heels, like Marquis, I always got their eyelashes and nails done. We're, we're very real, hence the hotties. But so we get to spaces of higher education, and um, people didn't want to hear our perspective. People didn't want to hear our voices, and in a way, they they used that shield of unfriendly to kind of silence that or just to minimize what we were bringing to the table. So in true empathetic by hottie fashion, we just created our own table. So you're you're invited. Come sit with us. Fuck yeah. you. And you love any bitch, and you care about your mental health and wellness, and you know, like you like a little kid. Comes a little kiki, a little kiki. Yeah, because this is definitely don't get it twisted. Like we're educated, the license, the work, the research, the books speak for itself, but it's not gonna change me. <laughs> what did you say? Like grew up in the hood, Hollywood couldn't change me. Mm. Neither can this license, honestly. It can better me. Um, but here's the thing too. Like we all, I think, came into this field to help black and brown people like us, um, or just, you know, therapy can be a privilege and it, it shouldn't be. People should have access to it. And I think the mental health and medical industry has not earned black people's trust. And there's still a lot of work to be done there. So we, we just want to start this platform so like you guys can have some tools for yourself until you are ready to ever take that plunge into therapy um, if you want to. Yeah. And I want to bring up another good point too, is that I feel like in the time period that we who went from students to actually being real working professionals that purgatory because <laughs> that was hell <laughs> child we can get to that another time but during that time it's been like a, a giant push of like mental health mm -hmm. we constantly hear that we're being pushed around but also it's typically not from professionals um and so we have a lot of people that it's kind of a complete in the market and here we are like people that study this like, let's be clear. So having that place where we have not just people talking about our personal experiences, because that is great, but also we wouldn't, we'd be doing the work. You know? Absolutely, yeah. And it's not easy, but it's worth it. And a therapist that is doing the work is um, a therapist that can help you do the work. Period. Period. So that's kind of who we are, where we come from in the background, and then like the importance of like why we wanted to um, really create this for y'all so so today's topic like it was actually really kind of fun to come up with right because we have a lot of topics we want to like just throw out to you guys that you guys are going to love but like coming up with this one yeah. I see you. Go ahead. yeah we were just really trying to think of what the best one kind of would be for you guys really take from mm -hmm. um and really want to incorporate our clients because mm -hmm. what do we see you know the most when they're coming to talk to us and when they're bringing you know these issues to us what is kind of like yeah, commonality what is trying, honestly what is yeah. something that we all when we started doing the work what is something that got us going foundationally mm -hmm. and it was attachment exactly because yeah. i think um specific specifically chill and y'all gonna see this word is hard for me <laughs> you think um when we were talking about clients too i think why we wanted to start out with this too is because a lot of times you start out sessions with meeting with attachment because it's such a bridging grab our relationship to self with how mm -hmm. we relate to others and so it's like why not start this way because right. it's that bang I um, always think like you want to work on that like a lot of people want to work on relationships or like how many of you have a partner a better I want a better relationship with my siblings my mm -hmm. best friend yada yada and it's great that we can recognize these patterns and want to work on them but before we work on interpersonal relationships we gotta work on intrapersonal relationships being yeah. a relationship with self that's the one that's the most important like Literally, how we how you gonna win if you ain't right within? Lauren, you know she, she you know she's her, but like she she was on the roll okay. with that one. Okay, no, and also her taxes, but she 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 touched on something on that. Tax man has issues with her, but I don't. But I do. I do not. That that was. And she was breaking on herself. <laughs> no. She was breaking on herself. Might not have been, you know, and, all of those concerns. But also going back to attachment. A thing that I often um, talk about with clients too, 
when we're talking about our relationship to self, a lot of times how we view the world and mm-hmm. our external dialogue has to do with our internal. So when we're when we're talking about judgments and like typically if we're judgmental of others, we're often typically like judgmental to ourselves and things like that too. Um in that same well. So mm-hmm. I think this is why this is like foundation mm-hmm. so to get you guys around really started yes yeah. so let's get let's get started with let's get jump started. right in meow <laughs> all right so like yeah like, where will attachment start right like we're in our twenties, <laughs> trying to like um, talk about how our, our attachment shows up in romantic relationships but attachment starts way before that mm-hmm. right you know in the early 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 actually technically i was actually um watching like uh um uh, a video about John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth work who are the people that established um, attachment theory um, about how you really start to see the signs in children um, and infants technically around about five, six months is when you start Mm -hmm. to really see their attachment growing towards their caregiver Mm -hmm. because, you know, when you're that young, it's like, you just want to go towards whoever is nursing you or whoever mm-hmm. is holding a bottle at the time. Yeah. But around that age is when they really start to like favor specific people too. Our so, primary uh, caregivers really mm-hmm. lay the foundation of how we view the world because every time we need something, we need our caregiver to give it to us and how they respond really starts to set the foundation of like, who can I trust in this world? Mm-hmm. How do I navigate and how do I get my needs met? Mm-hmm. No, and what does it look like? Absolutely. And so, okay, great <laughs> question. And so with that, let's kind of start talking about them. So there are kind of two big groups when we start talking about attachment of secure attachment and insecure attachment styles. Um, and so with that, let's start with one of the first um, insecure attachment, because I know we're all like, let's let's start digging into the, the real meat. Right. The last one is more aspirational for us all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but also let's start talking about Anxious when we're talking about what that looks like as children. Girl, that anxious gets such a bad rap. <laughs> I said this. <laughs> I've said this. I'm tired. Let's just put out a PSA right now. I'm tired of the girls being mean to the anxious people. So I know they like to tussle. I, I know they like, you know, also <laughs> y'all like, <laughs> y'all be talking real big shit about them. And also, like, what would the world be without us anxious people in our nurturing and our over observing? Who will know? All right, all right, all right. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Anxious people make the world go no, 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 no. Like, I'm the main character of the universe now. No, I want to say because we can do this with everybody. No, I was saying, yeah, like, I, I, yeah. just so y'all know, like, these attachments aren't inherently good, bad. They are just what are, and there's just a way to achieve what you want a little better. But mm-hmm. I would say each style has their strengths. And yeah, exactly. Are in one style, we're not going to talk about minimizing the strengths in that style. We want you to keep those strengths. Mm-hmm. So when you hear what's explained, and see if that you can recognize that in yourself, um, and then also move more into like the like I said, the ideal attachment. And I will say, and I'm going to do this caveat in. You can clearly see where I'm, why I may be going hard for this, this one, <laughs> but I do think that like you're saying they all have their strengths and even with how I talk in session is that these attachments grow because not because a parent was doing something wrong Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. I always like to say there was a lot of a specific kind of thing Mm -hmm. and so So going with insecure anxious what was it so with anxious is a lot of support and so with that it's good the girls love support and that's what I'm we saying like, it doesn't have to be in, inherently bad with any of them um, but with that being said with anxious there was a lot of support um, growing up in a childhood and I like to kind of use that metaphor of a child dropping their ice cream cone and how the parent responds kind of in that way to the child's needs because typically in an anxious Upbringing, there's more of a like immediate need for the caregiver to um, rectify the issue and not really giving the child many opportunities to kind of work through mm-hmm. um, and do that themselves. And so that becomes a struggle later for anxious people with knowing when, like, when can I do something on my own? Because typically those things happen for yourself. Like I dropped the ice cream cone, my mom is instantly like, I'll get you another one, baby. Oh my gosh, you're like, give me a hug. And there's not many opportunities to be like, hey, how about you figure out how mm-hmm. you self-regulate? Like, what does that look like for you? Which, you know, really becomes a struggle later. And I don't know if T if you want to talk yeah, about. I think even like when you say later, it's like, how does this show? So basically, a, a huge connection to attachment in childhood is our first our caregivers give us the first 
like glimpse of what intimacy and love looks like and then we replicate those patterns in our romantic relationships today so with like just attachment like honestly guys like we said it's not all bad but here's some things that if, if you feel these things you might got you might be a little on the anxious side and it's you might like be a gang. <laughs> <laughs> you 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 love to be very close to romantic partners and you actually have the capacity for great intimacy right but then you often fear like your partner doesn't want to be as close to you as, as you are to them and relationships like they're always at the forefront of your mind they consume a lot of your emotional energy um, and anxious attachment trends are to have such a sensitivity to small fluctuations in your partner's mood in their actions and the crazy part is anxious attachment people usually get it right the fluctuations that they're picking up on are usually accurate but then what happens is they take it so personal mm-hmm. um, and then they experience these negative emotions and they get upset so easily um, and then as a result they tend to act out sometimes they regret some of the ways that they act out in the relationship um, and they just need a lot of reassurance, a lot of security, which we all need, but it can cause a strain on relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first hitter. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> right. So then, breathe, child. If, if you feel like this is reaching out to you, just breathe. It's okay. Now we're gonna listen to my mixtape. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> right. So next we'll go to avoiding, which once again, like I said, it has we, its strengths. No. <laughs> Point them out. No, let's really look because I, I love me avoiding situation. You know, avoidance. Y'all get the job done. Y'all are action oriented. Also, sometimes you need like I often we're speaking about this with clients. I frequently tell, especially more on opposite ends. If I'm talking to a, an anxious client, I talk to them about avoiding. Like look to the avoiding people in your life. Sometimes you mm-hmm. need a model of how to kind of do something, mm-hmm. and so. With that, with my anxious clients, I'm like, look to an avoidance of, like, how to not take stuff so personally or also how to, what I will say is also set boundaries. Mm-hmm. If it ain't nothing, ain't I'm, nothing. <laughs> listen, yeah. did y'all hear her? Boundaries, child. But, but on some, like... <laughs> I remember I was, like, I was in a, uh, I don't know, dating, and I was like, you know, I really feel like I struggle with boundaries. He was like, I never feel like you struggle with boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> you don't let me over, I don't know, you only let me over on the weekends. I'm not allowed to call you there for this time. And I was like, oh, maybe I am good with boundaries. Yeah. But I'm not. I was, I then. <laughs> what does that look like in, in like childhood? So once again, like how we talked about how anxious is that large amount of support for avoiding it is a large amount of independence and so once again this is a really good thing because these children so using that same example of the child picking up the ice cream cone so this may be a situation where okay well not to be a little shady but you might drop the ice cream cone and mom may be like child like pick it up like anyway child (laughs) right or they'd be like okay right like i didn't even notice but there was a lot of opportunities for avoidance to kind of explore what their self-soothing techniques were Mm -hmm. and so they got that damn heck like these children are like i know what works i get my planky i grab it (laughs) and i go and then i'm out Mm -hmm. and once again wonderful Mm -hmm. because they have it you know when we're thinking about the other side of like they mastered this they Mm -hmm. very much have that solid relationship to self Mm -hmm. but they're comforting themselves and knowing what works for them like we wish we could only we only could imagine but (laughs) i think though with that on the other side we're anxious may struggle with knowing when do i need to step in and do something or wouldn't people really struggle with like wait like when do i need to seek support like i i maybe need to ask someone for help and how do i trust that that support is adequate mm-hmm. enough right i'm gonna leave it <laughs> yeah like getting into it. like so then you see that show up like picture that child not only have they learned to be independent but they've also passively learned i don't trust anybody else to meet my needs so mm-hmm. in relationships it looks like you know what they want to maintain independence and self-sufficiency and autonomy is so important in intimate relationships that even though you want to be close to somebody, it actually starts to get uncomfortable because you, you you had that parent that let you do so much on your own that now your your partner getting close to you it feels like 
I don't trust that you're going to know what to do. So, like, I will always need my independence to function. I may not even be able to, like, get as close to you as I want. And so you keep things at arm's length in these type of attachments, and you really don't worry about romantic partners as much, and you come off kind of rejecting. And then, unfortunately, avoidant attachment people don't open up as much. Um, And then you come off as emotionally distant, and you're really on high alert for signs of, like, control and territory issues with your partner. And so, yeah, congratulations, you learned to be independent, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always say to clients, you cannot protect yourself from sadness without protecting yourself from, do you know the rest? If you're listening to me, I'm not, I don't, I don't <laughs> You can't protect yourself from sadness without protecting yourself from happiness as well. Ooh. I, I should have said that. I feel like that's where you were going. I should have just spoke up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, like, the avoidant Annie's, um <laughs> kind of, like, like kind of get that, um, the double-edged sword there. Yeah. Actually, I feel like... <laughs> When I think of a woman, I always think of, like, Whoopi Gore, she's like, I don't like people in my house. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where to touch myself, but I'm like, this is an avoidant incident. Yeah, yeah, like, who would be avoidant? Um, I feel like I always associated with, like, big CEO type of people. Bigs. Oh, wait, no, bigs from, bigs from um, Sex in the City. Oh, yeah. Absolutely avoidant. Or, like, weird-ass Christian Grey. And I hate those grapes, those... Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh movies. yeah, but yeah, like it's so. Avoidant. See how these references are very. <laughs> but we're all like the therapist too. Like I hate watching TV sometimes. Now I'm, yes. Damn. Now, now I know your childhood trauma based off of this one development. Like yeah. it, it does get a little over and over. No. Yeah. But no, I think of I honestly think of that too because well. Yeah, think of anxious, right? I'm, it's easy. I'm, like we're really transparent with our own attachment styles because we're mm-hmm. all doing the work, and we'll get to like the ideal one in a few. But uh, I can recognize those avoidant attachments because I feel seen, mm-hmm. right? Sure. So, like, can you guys name any anxious attachments that you guys know of? Child, I feel like that's the example of any, like, trope from, like, a romantic comedy or any, like, girl-centered. Because I feel like, and that's, like, a whole other topic. I feel like sometimes gender representation can be in place of mm-hmm. that where I feel like... I think like Joan Clayton. Yeah, I'm gonna mention that. To a T, like <laughs> yeah. for sure. Like I feel like girlfriends. from the Absolutely. very first episode to the very last child. Oh my gosh, I gotta get into that too, but that's off the mic. Child, but no, yeah, like it's a. Yeah. I, go ahead. No, go ahead. The famous one that I was thinking of while you were talking about Joan was um, with Tony's wedding. Mm-hmm. And she was, who was the guy that she was dealing with at the time? He had like. Ellis. Yes, and she, oh, that is like, if you need an example of an anxious person, review those couple episodes with Ellis, especially during Tony's wedding, when she was just like going wild, and she was coming super late and leaving, and I really cared about Tony at the wedding, and just really being hyper-focused on, you know, what he was doing. Not getting close to Ellis. Ellis, like, she was okay dating a man with a kid, but now she's more insecure about it Mm -hmm. as her friend's getting married, and he's on set with his baby mom now. Baby mom violated, if y'all remember that episode. Yeah. But nonetheless, these these symptoms came out stronger for her. And these mm-hmm. come out like pay attention to these these things that come out when you're with the wrong person. So that's a telltale mm-hmm. sign that either you're not doing the work in the right relationship or you're doing the right work in the wrong relationship. Um, yeah, we, we definitely want to get with disorganized too, just really yeah. quickly, because um, there's there's not it's not yeah. a cut and dry with disorganized. And I was want to say because actually what you're talking about too, um, and uh, adding a little caveat for anxious and avoidant is the fact that because most of the times, like okay, yes, our attachment is a part of kind of how we navigate, but typically you need like an event to kind of set off some of the mm-hmm. strategies of these attachments, right? Oh, absolutely. I feel like if you're gonna come to me and say. I want to stop alcohol, and then you go to rehab with no alcohol exposure, you're going to stop alcohol. I want to get you through alcohol in the wine and spirit store, okay? I want to get you through relationship problems while you're in a relationship. Exactly. No, and that's the thing. So, like, typically anxious people do more activating strategies while avoiding people do more deactivating strategies um, and ways to kind of, like, push themselves away from others while, you know, anxious want to do things to, like, pull people closer mm-hmm. um, when escalating. But I'm adding that in because when we get to our third insecure attachment, there's a push and pull. There is. They utilize both, honey. So we're we're multifaceted over there. Mm-hmm. Um, with and that's, that's an inconsistent here, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So when we're talking about childhood again, 
So we think about this um, disorganizing. Sometimes people call it um, anxious avoidant, like literally putting both together, depending on um, the text that we're talking about. Um, these children grow up in inconsistent households. So once again, because I said this is strange, when we can talk about an anxious person and a wooden person, caregiver was consistent. It was consistently bad. Right. They was consistently, you know, consistent is what we'll say. And so, so we can give them that credit. But for disorganized they were all over the place. Shaking the table. Mm-hmm. They were all over the place. They had very inconsistent presentations to the child. Sometimes I give a fuck, sometimes I don't. Mm-hmm. Right, like this kid dropped the ice cream cone and the one day he dropped the ice cream cone and the mom was like, oh my God, like coddling. And the other one is like, I don't, I don't care. Give a fuck. Right, and so and this child... The signals that sends to the kid. Mm-hmm. Right, and this child grows up also create, having strategies to get their needs met that are inconsistent off the strength of like trying to mirror their parents' wants and needs as well. And so what that looks like for, you know, avoiding people as they grow up is that they they utilize both activating and deactivating strategies. Mm-hmm. Like, so I know I'll let you like T talk about a little bit, but I immediately think of- I know what you all go to. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Wait, I'm gonna whisper it to Marcia. Mm-hmm. I think of some like love in his- oh! <laughs> We were on the same page. We were all here. God, we all here. Yo, we see each other. Look at this friendship. I thought of like that um one that video of Tommy that everybody always talks about when mm-hmm. she was like, get out, like thank you. And then she was like, where are you going? Yeah, we even jumped on a nigga's back. But literally in that moment, she's using using activating because the the deactivating strategies is like the backup, like, get out. I don't want you mm-hmm. around. I want to make you feel like I don't want you around. I don't need you. And then the activating strategies of like pulling a person and like, where are you going? Like, I want you. I need you. Why would you leave me? Mm-hmm. Literally in like the same like sentence. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, but T, I'll let you also talk about a little bit further what that looks like. Yeah. Off the, like, off the rip, that is a really good example. And I think what I've noticed in disorganized attachment is they yearn just like everybody needs like attachment, everyone needs um, community. They do yearn for happy, healthy relationships, but when things go wrong, they deactivate quickly mm-hmm. and are shocked or like very off put when their needs aren't getting met. And so they like go to their second resource of like activating with that really anxious type of wait, wait, love me, wait, wait, don't leave me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? Tony Charles did that in that wedding episode as well mm-hmm. when she was saying, like, I want. I want to have a private island and I want to go off in a helicopter. And Todd was finally putting his size four foot down and said, no, <laughs> he's on the size four guy. Right. But right, we can talk about short men because, you know. <laughs> yeah. But they, um, she was deactivating him. She was like totally pushing him away. Um, and then um, when, um, or the episode where she wanted to go see her ex. And she was like, I'm seeing him. I don't care. And, and she did. And then Tom was like, I'm out. And she jumped on his back. And she was like, don't leave me. Please don't leave me. So, like, to start, it's kind of like putting on this presentation of, like, I can do relationships. I want relationships. Um, but on my terms, with my autonomy. Um, and then when their needs are not getting met, they, they go to, like, crisis, which can look really mm-hmm. anxious. Of, like, please, please. Um, and I think in today, that can kind of look like, a lot of situationships and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, another example, too, um, and it could be a mental health diagnosis aside from attachment, but I don't know if you guys saw the previous um, season of Married at First Sight. I knew you was about to say it, <laughs> and Wait, I don't know first, I Can I just say, Married at First Sight Twitter has, like, y'all got that on lock. What day is it? Come on, because every time, I'm like, let me get the fuck off this app. because Wednesday? Wednesday is y'all day. I will not even, <laughs> I will not even infiltrate Twitter yeah. on those days. I mean, it, it's the drama that I kind of live for unfortunately um but Which Michaela, oh, yeah. I used to watch it for the love and now it's just <laughs> now like it's all drop bullshit um I mean it's a little bit of love in there this season but um the main drama was coming from Michaela and she was very much um if you guys saw the episode she um he wanted to leave I can't remember what was his name Brian it wasn't Ryan I can't think of it wasn't it Ryan and Michaela Ryan and Michaela? Mm. Ryan? It's not giving. I don't know. But he was, yeah, but regardless, she was just giving very much mixed signals. 
And he was like, you know what? I just want to go. And and she was like, she literally said, bye. She was like, you can go. I'll have my sister come pick me up. There was a, like, a retreat. Bye. Bye. Yes, just like bye. that. Just hand up and everything. She was just like, bye, bye, bye. And then he was like, okay, I'm just double checking that this is what you want. And she said, yes. He started getting things together. Girl lost her mind. She was following him to the car, pulling his luggages back into the room. Like, you're not leaving me. You're not leaving me. So it was very much like, you know, mixed signals. Like, she, I, she truly didn't want him to leave. But I think her first reaction was, all right, bye. I don't need you. I can do this on my own. And then when she saw, you know, he was actually activated. He was leaving. You told him to. She, yeah, she was very much pulling him back in. Don't leave me. I need you. Um, and he still left, but <laughs> and this telltale signs right there, like that example. She did not know how to get her needs met. Mm-hmm. She, maybe she didn't even recognize her needs, and that's what we do, like clinically, um, yeah. with our clients. Of like, what did you need in that moment? And it's amazing how some people are like, oh, I don't really know. Mm-hmm. So you didn't know what you needed, but you expected them to meet that need. Oh yeah, let's let's cut the track. <laughs> and that's where that last that last attachment comes out. No, I was going to say because, well, yeah, let's get, well, I was on, the only thing I was going to say too, and this is to bring back, and I'm, I'm going to give my avoidant um, peoples another prop because anxious people is very hard of like, I'm thinking once again in a notebook, like, what do you want? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yes. don't know. Yeah. Literally, that's an anxious person because it's always like that look of like, I haven't even thought of it yet. Mm-hmm. It's just always go go reaction kind of like to the emotion you're feeling where it's like avoiding people giving themselves that time, sometimes too much time where they overthink and like convince themselves not to have an issue with something anymore. That's a no mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the first song on avoiding playlist is you don't want me then don't talk to me. Period. For yourself. Very dramatic, <laughs> but also it's just like I will do anything but yeah. be emotionally detached attached to you. But no, but you bring up a good point of just like a lot of times we don't know which is why things feel so conflicted of like what is your need like child i don't know i'm just vibing and arguing i'm just here i'm just here i'm just fighting i'm fighting for my life i don't know um but the good news is like there's ways to move into more healthy attachment styles Mm -hmm. no matter what age you are no matter what background you've had no matter what attachment you're coming from you know that's you're not set in one attachment for life yeah, um, and I kind of we do kind of teach clients and work with clients. I'm like, no, keep the good traits of avoiding attachment. Keep your independence. Be 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 autonomous for mm-hmm. sure. With anxious, like, yeah, you should be flourishing in creating like, intimacy. Like, you're good at that. Um, but how can we help you feel sound? Have how healthy boundaries? Yeah. You know, good intimacy, and that's our. Yeah, so let's get to the you know the the big dog of them the cherry on top of this secure which is you know what we're all aiming for but when in kind of talking about that support versus independence these are children that really grew up in those balanced situations where that their parents allowed them to have that autonomy so then we have kind of using that ice cream cone scenario we have mom and dad kind of being like or caregiver being like what do you need do you need mommy to give you a hug like do you need a moment to yourself and it really allows the child to be like hmm mm-hmm. let me what do i think for my myself too give me a minute mom <laughs> so then you're like so when you have an uh like we've just been talking about identifying your needs you can literally be like i actually think i would like a hug Mm-hmm. That would be helpful, but you say it with intent, not of just kind of our knee-jerk reaction um, to self-soup, but actually thinking about what our mm-hmm. real needs are right now. And so I think that's why, um, I guess when we talk about a little bit further what that looks like, oh, they, they, they have attachment. more success. Mm-hmm. And this one honestly sounds so ideal. It's not perfect, but these are some good traits, right? So let's all make sure you're listening so we can all admire <laughs> what, what, what this person looks like. <laughs> Who this miracle person is. <laughs> right. Can we, it's going to be hard for us to think of an example, but we'll work up some. But mm. there's definitely, like, uh, being warm and loving in these relationships actually comes really natural to people with secure attachment. And mm. um, they enjoy intimacy and are not overly worried about their relationship. Like, they can take things in stride when it comes to romance. And they're not going to obsess. They effective, um, effectively communicate. And 
their needs and feelings like they know what they need they know what they're feeling and it's not a hundred percent of the time but it's enough that they can communicate with that with their partner and they can get their needs met right um they're really strong at actually reading other people's emotional cues and responding to them um and they you know they share their successes and problems with their partner and they're really just able to be there in times of need right so that's kind of like what the ideal looks like um and again it's not perfect but it's what healthy flourishing relationships really start with mm-hmm. yeah. i think it, i can't think of a one for adulthood but i know the ones that i've been really tending to a lot with um the childhood is like that gentle parenting that i think we've all been seeing on like twitter and social media and things um i think that's really a good way to you know create this secure human being right you know, I, I don't know forward if y'all see those teachers start to do it like i love how they cultivate mm-hmm. what you need in the morning do you want a high five mm-hmm. do you want a hug yeah do you want a uh, i don't know like a handshake like what you're doing is creating an opportunity for the kid to self-reflect connect to their yeah. emotions and say like you know what i'm sad today so i want a hug mm-hmm. or you know i'm super excited for our spelling bee today like give me a high five and once they can reflect and connect they can direct you to what they need. Yeah, absolutely. Um, give them absolutely. time to create it on their own and see, you know, express positively absolutely. what they need. Mm-hmm. Do we know like, any examples or anybody in your life? Thinking, I, was, I was actually even thinking of like, obviously, you know, Wait, I'm thinking of some clients even that mm-hmm. have secure attachments. Of, I think the thing too is that when you have a secure attachment, the assumption is also that you don't have any problems at all. Right, right. And I don't think that that means that these, and when we're going off of this list and it's like, oh, these people are perfect and have no problems. I think they just conceptualize them differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Different things are now on the line for them versus when we have these other attachment styles. And so I think um, I just think about people because immediately you go into therapy and you assume people are going to instantly start talking about like how awful something was or Mm -hmm. negative things. But I think some of the secure people I've noticed are always like, yes, things aren't perfect, but like I really appreciate this, 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 this and this. Like you're able, once again, we talk about that balance, you're able to reflect and talk in a more balanced way. Um, But it is unfortunate right now that I'm having such a hard time thinking of secure people kind of like in like because also everything that glitter isn't gold, right? So just Mm because we don't know these celebrities or these like social media personalities actual (laughs) actual attachment styles um but if we had to look towards the media like thinking of couples that would really talk to each other check in with one another is there any couple that we've finally noticed see i feel like this feels like a hot take if i say this but i feel like when i feel looking at a secure attachment i feel like when i look at boo and jada's relationship i see that i was thinking yo i see it yeah and i know people are so on that first of all y'all don't be reading the full article no no read it's fundamental they are so after because they they literally communicate they know and they also have said many times we are life partners there's nothing mm-hmm. he or she will do to ever disconnect from that now i don't know what the fuck that that leaves a wide range of fuckery <laughs> in between which is kind of what like runs with mm-hmm. but in general i know those blogs are going to affect them i know y'all think will's down city girls is up but that's really not the case with them and yeah. actually it shows because as much heat that he gets and as much heat as she gets, like, they're still together, right? Why? Mm-hmm. Because they're secure in that relationship. Yeah. No, like, real. Like, and I think that shows, too, that, like, you know, like, we were talking about, like, growing. Like, we might have anxious, we might have avoided, we might have a little bit of disorganized, but the goal is to be more secure and feel more secure. So we don't know where they started, but they might not have, you know, Will might be anxious, Jada might be avoiding or whatever, but it seems like they mm-hmm. come together. Those are Virgo Libra Master. You're probably, probably accurate there. On point there? Okay. <laughs> um, it's a guess, but throw it out there. Oh, yeah, she's a Virgo, you know. I know that um, I know that Will is a Libra sun, a Scorpio moon. Heaven, Libra sun. His uh, birthday's a couple days after mine. Oh wait, I think a day after mine actually. Yeah, but um, but yeah, but the goal I think that they really reach that to be secure with another, trust you know, hundred percent, and really be there and understanding the other person's point of view and stuff. Right. It doesn't mean there's not gonna be arguments, but it doesn't mean you don't mm-hmm. disagree. It just means like 
hey, I can identify what I need and I can listen to what you need and mm-hmm. we can work together. We're not, it's us against our avoiding or uh, uh, anxious attachment. It's us mm-hmm. against the problem. Right. We I have another really good um, one that I often bring up in session two of like secure, but in like a family setting. So once again, bringing up married at first. But no, I use, I use this example because I love this. Like if anybody went, watches married at first sight, it's not about a specific like couple or anything. It's just like the, every time, every season, doesn't matter if it's season one, season 11, whatever. Every time you have three different reactions of how their families mm. feel when they find out yeah. that they're joining. Either <laughs> literally they're like, hey, mom and dad, I'm getting married at first sight. Either they're like, I don't approve. I'm not coming. This is awful. Why are you doing this? They're either blindly like, we love that. Thank you so much. This is so great. I'm so happy for you. Completely just like not asking any questions. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. <laughs> or, or you have those real things that are like, I'm skeptical. <laughs> I'm concerned. But... I'm going to be there for you regardless. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that that is like that secure of like, that does not mean we're always going to agree. That does not mean I'm never going to, you know, have an issue with something you do, but I'm there for you always. And if you need my support, I will. And that's like secure in a nutshell. And like whenever I explain it, they're like, I do love, because like who doesn't want to know like if I mess up, if I'm like right. not good, that you still will love me. Right. And other tenants don't feel that often that that will still be reciprocated. They're not. Mm-hmm. I think you said that like it's different of what's on the line here. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, the the basis of this all is saying from whether you're picturing the your inner child and your parent or your relationship dynamic now with your partner, um, a secure attachment is the one that says. You can do anything and you will always be tethered to me. Like, jump off that cliff, run as fast as you can, take a break, and I will always be tethered to you. Mm-hmm. And that's what babies want, right? Remember that study where the baby cries with the mom leaves the room? Yeah. Um, but when the mom's in the room, they'll start playing with those toys. They'll start ripping stuff off the shelf. They'll start exploring. And they know, like, if I look back, mom's there, so I'm good. Mm-hmm. Same thing we want in our partners. Like, if I'm going to be an entrepreneur, if I'm going to um, pursue school, if I'm going to into parenthood, my partner is right here. Mm-hmm. So I'm still doing the autonomy and independence of which my life needs. Mm-hmm. And I'm still, I still have the intimacy, security, and um, foundations of a relationship that I need as well. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> um, and honestly, we, we talked about this topic not only because we feel like clients um <clears throat> it's dense in what they want to work on and we feel like it's going to help you but this was like a hot topic for us in grad school and mm-hmm. i just hate that sometimes therapeutic skills like it like therapy is a privilege and it shouldn't be but there was no reason we should have been 20 some seven mm-hmm. thousands in debt in these higher education rooms just to get information about our like our attachment yeah, styles. Right. Like, what? I would have still been out in a while not even knowing. <laughs> and we felt red. red. Right. We felt red as soon as we, we discovered these things and it's kind of like why why is this kind of being like gatekeep like this information, you know? Yeah. So this is where And so we've been doing our own work. Actually, I mean we kinda of touched on this, but like what are you guys' attachments? Well, or I'll say this, I'll say this. Who wants to go when we find started, grad, <laughs> When we first started grad school, which attachment resonated with you the most? And how have you been moving towards secure? No, I was just going to say this as a little caveat before answering, though. It is funny because, once again, guys, like, being three therapists here, you always have that little thing about self-schools and you're like, <laughs> why you ask me that? <laughs> why? No, no. There's definitely times I like, you. <laughs> setting me up <laughs> but no but I think I think what trying to say cut the cameras <laughs> dead ass no but I think in that like so with that question that you just asked though originally when it was brought to my awareness definitely heavy disorganized vibes of activating deactivating I'm gonna turn I'm gonna you know you know yeah mm-hmm. very much giving that um so yeah that's that is my yeah I, yeah my i think this is initially story. thinking about it <laughs> 
I think I was pretty much maybe like I think I was a little bit of both, like a little anxious and avoidant. Um, because of growing up a single mom, I was very much like, you know, seeing her, like, I got this, I can do this, you know, I'll figure it out, I got it. But then very much, because my mom likes to cuddle, I'm an only child, it was very much like, I got you, I'm here, you know. So I think it, it was a little bit of, a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, honestly, <laughs> I think sometimes I do lean towards, like, the more obvious traits are um, avoided, right? Mm-hmm. So... I had a lot of independence growing up, and I'm just really headstrong as a person in general. So um, it can come off as avoidant, and that those are my dominant traits. Like, you will not take my goals from me. Don't you ever, nobody can baby mother me. Don't you dare. Like, I refuse to be like, <laughs> I refuse. Um, but I do, you know, I still want and crave intimacy in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. So when I am in a relationship, um, it gets tricky. It gets tricky because it's like I can keep you at arm's length, but. I'm learning like how to open up and get close to people, so or let them in, right? And trust. Yeah. So I don't know if it's disorganized or maybe it used to be disorganized. But we're growing. But, I, but I've also heard that like specifically with um, disorganized attachment is that the fact of like almost it can be like a spectrum because it's both like anxious mm-hmm. and so like some people are, can be disorganized but more leaning towards avoidant, or some people are disorganized more leaning towards anxious, like activating you know but yeah i think we all just trying to figure it out you know what i'm saying taking it day by day like and then i think that's this perfect moment because i always mention when talking to clients of like there's four of them for a reason Mm -hmm. like yes you'll have the shining gold star people that get secure but when you walk around in these streets, one like the majority of people you walk around all have insecurities because oh, yeah, yeah. like they're like, not alone. I think it's like fifty percent of the population mm. have. Um, I'm shocked that fifty percent have secure. Yeah, that's what I have. That's what I was my concern. You know, we can talk about research biases another day. Yeah. Don't get me started. Yeah. We can do a whole podcast. Right. We gonna interview. Right? What what neighborhoods did you? Okay. <clears throat> But another tidbit is I want to help y'all recognize what maybe your partner has. And so this is just a quick little breakdown of if you see these traits. And actually, y'all, y'all can guess. Y'all can guess. I'm going to lay out the traits and you can hear a guess of what attachment you think. So if your partner wants a lot of closeness in the relationship, expresses insecurities, worries about rejection, and is unhappy when they're not in a relationship. What do you guys think that gears towards? Miss um, Joan Clayton? And it's only going to go through three. Not Sounds like anxious. Yeah, it's definitely going to be anxious. Yeah, so if you're in a relationship where you can see this in your partner, like they really want that closeness, um, this is a serial dater, like they're always in a relationship, um, their insecurities are and their worries and their rejections are like right in front of you, or the fear of rejections are in front of you. So likely they're a little more anxious, all right? Mm-hmm. All right, but what if a person is sending you mixed signals, values their um, independence greatly, and devalues you or previous partners? That's that's a good one, right? If they're talking shit about their ex, you know, what do you think what that one leads more towards? I would say avoidant. Oh, yeah. Big avoidant energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, bang. Big avoidant energy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I look good. I look like bang. That's me. <laughs> um, exactly. And then some of these traits, let's say reliable, consistent, mm. makes decisions with you, and um, has flexible views on relationships. That's what I sound good. Right. Green flag. <laughs> yes, where's the green flag emoji? Because that one's secure. Yeah. So um, as we went through those traits, if you can reflect on what your partner is giving, you probably have some intel on um, their their own attachment dynamics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And actually, like, really, I think this can really be a, a good dialogue within couples mm-hmm. of like what are our attachment styles and that's a whole nother um <laughs> podcast to talk about like what, what it looks like yes what it looks like when attachments come together in relationships mm-hmm. because if we being honest typically an avoiding with an avoiding mm-hmm. it's like almost like 
like the universe brings the opposites together to balance each other out because they're like off on their own thing so i think like a lot of times we realize like oh we're opposites in that way like attachment wise mm-hmm. so a lot of times we find ourselves having to navigate another attachment style in our life so yeah um, um, it's a good intel to think about right now mm-hmm. that's a lot i mean i think it can be beautiful too um and learning and growing with each other but that's a lot of understanding especially if you're hearing this for the first time and you know and what we just talked about and hearing what mine's what mine is and then being in a relationship and hearing what your partner's is whoo you're, you're learning a lot here. And a good book. I mean, I'm definitely like a book junkie, but um, it's an easy read. I definitely recommend it to clients, and we all read it here, is mm-hmm. Attached. And it's really about the new science of adult attachment and how it can help you find and, listen, ladies and gentlemen, keep. <laughs> find and keep love. And um, that's by Amir Levine and uh, Rachel S. Heller. It's like, what, like 13 bucks on Amazon, something like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's called Attached, and it's just a really good breakdown. And what I like about it is interactive with clients. It's not just a, yep. a clinical, jargony, um, peer-reviewed read. Not at all. It actually has, like, assessments and little quizzes for yourself, um, good bullet point breakdowns of, like, how you can relate to an attachment, and then move towards a more secure attachment. And, and what are you going to attract? I think some people feel like I'm so damaged or broken, I only want to uh, attract that. And that just doesn't have to be the case at all. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think once I love where we're rounding this out to be is because I think leaving here, you can be like, damn. Damn. <laughs> damn. <laughs> but no, like, there, whatever attachment we have, it is not. And finite, yeah, it's not finite. We can all do the work so that we can have a more secure relationship to self and to mm-hmm. others. And, you know, that's kind of like this beautiful process of life. And, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully something we would like to talk about here of like, what does this journey look like to almost get back to, or not even if it's not getting back to cultivating mm-hmm. that um, sense of security and our sense of self and with the relationships around us. So it's no, it's not a and all be all you know. right it really is just the intro right you come to therapy or maybe therapy is not for you and even though we're all therapists of course we like love what we do and we kind of promote it i can understand it's not for everybody there's mm-hmm. things in life that are therapeutic um that you may not need to sit in weekly target <laughs> what like, <laughs> it's trader joe's for me <laughs> but and um Mar- makeup probably for Marquia, but mm-hmm. sephora yeah also, have you on a that that's a little tidbit star personalities too and um it, it really goes back to say um you don't have to just say like i need better relationships and you know let me work on being better to other people let me work on loving people better let me work on holding boundaries better i show people how to love me by what loving myself by loving myself so if you want better better relationships we work on a relationship with self first and that's kind of just the intro to that most important is the moment yourself Love yourself. Hey, empaths. We hope you enjoyed our topic today, but it's time to bring session to a close. And if you guys would like to keep up with all things Empathetic Black Hotties, you can follow us on Instagram at E-M-P-A-T-H-E-T-I-C B-L-A-C-K H-O-T-T-I-E-S. And we can't wait to see your follow. Please remember, this podcast is not a substitute for actual clinical therapy. I'm T. I'm Key. I'm Tab. And remember, when, when it, comes it comes to, to our, our couch, couch, you can always sit with us. Sit with us.